one. So to take a little bit of the memorization burden off of you from the exam, I am going to give this to you on the test. So I bet, um, you, you might have noticed on Canvas, I actually uploaded a PDF of this. So when you're studying, you can reference that and know exactly what it's going to look like on your test. And so this is as detailed as it gets. Like you guys have to, you're responsible for knowing more about these proteins, um, but it's really like the, the application and analysis level, not just remembering what they do, right? So I'm gonna give you the rem this part of the remembering, and on the test, ask you more like application questions. Does that make Eight, yeah, it's eight protofilaments. 
And what's the kind of descriptor there? It forms a what-like structure. World-like structure. Okay, that's kind of the general um, architecture. Now, which of those uh, filaments have structural polarity? My active filaments and microtubules, that's right. And so what does structural polarity mean? Different than electrical polarity. Yeah. Then you've got one side like polymerizes faster than the other and depolymerizes faster than the other. Yeah, and the reason for that, it's like there's one step that you took it, you like leap, you know, left frog jumped over one little so why is it that one side polymerizes faster than the other? It is, no, in treadmilling, actually, we'll come back to that, but when treadmilling is happening, <coughs> the rate of depolymerization is equal to the rate of polymerization, right? And that's the whole treadmilling thing. <laughs> Structural polarity just means the structure is different on either side. Just like if you have electrical polarity, the right the charge is different on either side. Structural polarity, the structure is just different. And it turns out that the structural differences cause if it's in an active filament, right? Um, or the microtubule where you have the plus end or minus end, at the plus end, the structure allows subunits to add faster or fall off faster. Whereas on the minus end, they don't really add or fall off that easily on their own, right? But the thing is, in the context of a cell, you have a bunch of helper proteins around that can change that. So if you have an active filament that usually not that much is going on at the minus end, but then in treadmilling, there is, right? Because for treadmilling to happen, what's happening is you have a ton of addition at the plus end and a ton of loss at the minus end, and the rate is the same because you have pro a protein that's actually called cofilm, we'll learn, we'll learn about it, that's tearing the subunits off at the minus end if it's an active filament. So it's making sure the rate of depolarization on that side is equal to the rate of growth at the plus end. That's what phenomenon So it's a phenomenon that happens in, um, in cells oftentimes with growing actin. It happens like in migrating cells at the leading edge. So we'll talk about periods where this, or cellular functions where that is really important. Um, but if left to its own devices and there's no other proteins around, you're not going to see that rapid loss or growth at the minus end because the structure is just different. It's harder for the, the subunits to like fit in there. Whereas at the plus end, because of the shape, they're able to fit in there a lot easily. That's essentially it. Does that make sense, you guys? Does that clarify?
the parts of human moving, the way they associate with the, um, uh, the subunits is directional. So they can't, they, they are designed in such a way that uh, the way they feel the structure can either go minus to plus, and if you need to go in the other direction, you need a different one. Yeah, the, the structure of the, the filaments. Um, okay. And so intermediate filaments, they're not structurally, structurally polar, which means if you look at one side, it looks samesies as the other side. Um, and then, okay, dynamic. What does just the word dynamic mean? Changing, yeah, able to change. So, um, uh, so both active filaments and microtubules have this property of being dynamic. The cell can change them. They can change the rate in which they grow. They can change their shape. It, it just depends on the needs of the cell. Are intermediate filaments dynamic? No. Once they're built, they're kind of just there. Remember we talked about um, the process of pornification and like, the layers of our skin? Um, do you guys remember the name of the protein that I told you fills up? Keratin. Guess what type of protein keratin is? Intermediate filament. So intermediate filaments usually have these really important like structural rules and they're just rigid. Unless the cells breaking down or dividing and you need to change them. And so we'll talk about that like at the very end of this lecture. We'll talk about lamins, which is a type of intermediate filament that reinforces the nuclear envelope and has to break down in order for the nuclear envelope to disassemble. Um, okay, last one, dynamic instability. Which of the cytoskeletal filaments has this property of dynamic instability? Microtubules. That's it. And it is this um, term that was given by microtubule scientists to microtubules when they observed that they'll grow and grow and grow and grow, and at some point, once the, their growth slows, if they don't have something that reinforces the plus end structure, well, then it'll just fall apart. And we'll talk about the things that can reinforce the structure. If it doesn't get that reinforcement, it falls apart. And I'll tell you the molecular reason for that when we get to that slide. Okay. Now, on this image, this is the same image that I think was the intro image in the learning module. So first, what's blue? The nucleus. What's red? Actin. How do you know it's actin? Yeah, it's close to the membrane. And um, a lot of times you'll, you, I mean, if you move the green away and we turn the lights down, you'd be able to see red um, within the, the rest of the cytosol but you always see it really um, densely around the perimeter of cells. It helps reinforce the, uh, the, uh, the cell membrane. It's a really important part of that um, cell membrane network. Uh, and then, okay, what about the green? Does anyone remember what the green is?
is with microtubules, where do microtubules mutate? You guys remember? Yeah, the microtubule organizing center or centrosome. And that's usually located in the right dot, right by the nucleus. Right? And so you can see these emanating out from there. Um, so a lot of times when you don't see that and you see that, but you know, you see the same extension kind of in that first image from the nucleus outward, usually that means it's an intermediate filament. But I probably said in the learning model what it was, so I don't want to contradict myself. I think it's like
There are three basic types, but these are Um, these are all really big families. So there are a bunch of different myosins, right? Uh, and myosins, all the myosins, except for one, move along actin filament towards the plus end. And there is one that will move in the reverse direction towards the minus end. Kinesins, these move along microtubules instead of actin filament. My, uh, kinesins always move towards the plus end. So um, I just talked about a second ago that microtubules are often, not always, but often anchored at the MPOC. I'll talk about exceptions when we get to the microtubule exceptions. Um, and they're anchored at their minus end, right? So kinesins are going to move from an area that's like towards the center of the cell, like near the nucleus, out towards the periphery. That's the direction that it knows how to walk along the microtubules. Now, if you need something to move from like the periphery or outer edge of the cell towards the nucleus, you need to rely on the dynians, which is another molecular motor, but these are designed to walk in the opposite direction towards the minus end. Okay, so depending on the direction and the movement, it can change what cytoskeletal filament that you use or molecular motor that you use. So like if you were moving from the ER to the Golgi and there are microtubules all around, you would probably be relying on kinesins, right? Because they're moving kind of outward from the cell. Does that make sense? And that's the kind of question I would ask you on a test situation. If you have a molecule, molecule, vesicle, whatever, that needs to move maybe from the perimeter of the cell towards the nucleus. Which one would you use? Okay. And on the sheet, it, it tells you. So that means you just have to remember where plus and minus end is, and where microtubules are situated, and where actin filaments are situated. What's that? Microtubule organizing center. So that's the area, or that's the structure that nucleates the microtubules. It's right by the Okay, and so here's a cartoon image of um, their structures. So here's those globular heads, and then they have these fibrous tails, and at the end of the tail is where they bind their cargo. And their cargo could be anything, right? So they can localize mRNA, they can localize proteins, they can move vesicles around, they can move all sorts of things, right? So they can attach to anything. Um, so the heads, they're called heads, I think of them as feet because they walk. Uh, this is where ATP is hydrolyzed. Um, this is what associates with the cytoskeletal filament. So depending on what they're able to bind to, right, that, that dictates what cytoskeletal filament they're associated with. Right, so if you're a myosin, their heads only know how to bind and walk along actin. Um, direction and speed. And speed is really how fast can they hydrolyze ATP. The faster they hydrolyze ATP, the faster they can walk. Then tails have cargo binding. Um, and I would still love to have a whole lecture dedicated to molecular motors, um, but I don't, if you are as fascinated by them as I am, 
Khan Academy actually has a really great video on molecular motors. It goes way beyond what I expect you to know for Pop. Um, and I say that just because Khan Academy is kind of so-so for molecular stuff, but this one, they just knocked it out of the park. It's a really great, great video. Um, okay, so this is really the extent of what I need you to understand um, for the purpose of this class, which is, again, that the heads can either bind active filaments or microtubules, and um, the ATP binding and hydrolysis, not only does it um, provide the power, but there's like a structural shift that enables this kind of flip-flopping of those uh, globular heads over one another, right? So um, as ATP uh, is associated with the back filming, when it gets hydrolyzed, um, it basically caught, it enables a kink to form that uh, causes this walking-like walking movement. So it causes a release, a kink, and then it will bind again. This is really phenomenal activity uh, that we actually know a fair amount about. Um, but this is all you need to know for, for this class. Okay, I should have brought espresso beans today. You guys look like you need espresso. Espresso <laughs> beans. Over there on this one day.
And so they, they, uh, they get nucleated at the NTOC, and then uh, as they grow, um, they emanate out towards the periphery of the cell. Um, and then here, right, we have like this red messiness all on the cytosol. There's not an obvious kind of uh, region where it's the structure is being nucleated from. Uh, so what is the red? Intermediate donors, yeah. And then here, this green is out towards the periphery of the cell. So the way the rest of this um, lecture is structured is we go over how um, the dynamics of actin bonds, and then we move on to microtubules, and then we have a little itty bit dedicated to intermediate bonds. And the thing that's nice is that a lot of um, the things that apply to actin filaments also apply to microtubules. So there's a lot of proteins that have parallel functions. So once you get like, oh, that's a thing with actin filaments, then when we learn about it in microtubules, it's, it doesn't feel as new. It's like a reminder, like, okay, the same phenomenon happens here, it's just different proteins doing the work. Um, okay, so active elements can be assembled and disassembled super quickly to help regulate cellular activities and movement. And so some of the cellular activities that we'll talk about as examples are um, cell division, right? What's that super important structure that has to form during cytokinesis? The pinch off the two cells talked about it before, I've alluded to it before. What is the thing you call that pinches off the two cell? cell? Contractile ring, yeah. The contractile ring is made of actin filaments, and then what makes it contract is myosin that pulls along the filaments, cause them to contract. Um, and then the other important function uh, that we're gonna talk about that's specific to actin filaments is uh, cell migration. So when cells migrate along like a substrate, they have a, a leading edge that basically kind of protrudes outward. Um, and the protrusion is actually treadmilling action beneath the membrane. Really important aspect of cell migration. Um, action filaments, their growth is important for a lot of things, but those are the two uh, kind of functions we'll talk about. Um, all right, and so the proteins that help build actin are referred to as uh, microfilament-associated proteins. So another name for actin filaments is microfilaments. You can use those terms interchangeably. It's just the book only uses actin filaments, so I just defer to what the textbook was doing to avoid confusion for anyone who might have the textbook. Which I can
And so the two um, most common uh, actin filament nucleating proteins are called formin and ARP23 um, complex. And they, so they nucleate uh, growing filament. And they do it a little bit differently, so we'll talk about that. Um, so kinetics, right? So how fast does this filament grow? Sometimes the cell wants Sometimes the cell wants slow growth. So there are proteins that will help regulate that. Thymosin, um, profilin, and capping protein are the three big ones. And then finally, shape. So if you just have two protofilaments that form a helix, that's cool. But usually in the cell, you see them kind of bundled together into different shapes. So like in a can, um, do you guys remember in the sarcomere? They were parallel to one another, right? And then you had myosin that would, on either side, that would bring those parallel bundles kind of together. So it's the same thing in the contractile ring. You have parallel actin filaments. Um, and those parallel actin filaments can be really close to one another, and then you kind of try to far apart. If you want myosin to get in there and perform contraction, they need to be far enough apart to enable myosin to get in there. If you just want them to have a structural role, where they're just reinforcing some structure, like in microvilli, like on our um, uh, some of our intestinal endothelial cells, they have those microvilli. The, the reason those microvilli don't just like flop over and collapse, because they're full of these super tight parallel bundles of active filaments. So in that case, you don't need Myosin, you're not, you're not, you don't have microvilli contraction. So in that case, you have these tight bundles of microvilli. So one other shape they'll form before, besides either like loose parallel bundles or tight parallel bundles, it's like a crisscross structure. And that's actually what you see in the leading edge of a migrating cell. So they can either be parallel, close, or burnt, and little myosin in there. They can be crisscross. How do they do that? with the help of these binding proteins that basically help determine the shape. They help to link them. Um, ARP also has a role in the vision. So the mesh work, so we'll talk about that. Okay. So then, how durable is it going to be? Well, depends. If you have gel solid and coat filling around, those suckers are going to destroy your structure. So sometimes we want to destroy our structure. Sometimes we want to destroy it rapidly. In that case, we want both gel solid and coat filling. We'll talk about how they're functionally different. Um, sometimes you don't want to totally destroy things. Maybe you just want treadmilling to happen. In that case, you have a system where you just have coat filling gently removing subunits from one end. Okay, when I get to the, the, the each individual slide, we'll cover that again. That's our intro slide. Word, word, word. We find it hard to get more sleep because um, it turns out that low sleep increases anxiety. And so uh, 
uh, you know, his life. <laughs> um, and so we were trying so hard to get seven hours so I've been forcing myself like no screen time, like an hour and a half before I go to bed, really, really hard. And then, uh, and then to be in bed at like a, a, you know appropriate time is my body just wakes up like at 4.30. And dude, I get into bed and just my mind is like, ha ha ha, LOLs, you're not going to sleep. <laughs> and, like, and so, and different than ARP. 
the other nucleating protein. So ARP, the other nucleating protein. Um, ARP stands for actin-related protein. Sometimes people call it ARP23. Sometimes people say ARP complex. Sometimes people say ARP23 complex. All those things mean the same thing. So in this image, ARP is a little green thing. <coughs> It nucleates at the minus end. So I should say, right, the ends are kind of established as growth starts occurring. So formin in the beginning is just bringing two, two G-axis subunits together. But then as it grows, right, because it's growing from the plus end out, right, that's how you know it's staying associated with formin. Here, ARP, it captures two G-actin subunits, and it's like, cool, my work is done here. And it just, it would capture these uh, subunits, and then because it's nucleated the growth, it just allows growth to happen on its own, so the plus end would move out in this direction. That's one thing. The other thing about ARP, Q3, so here it's already different, because it's staying associated with the minus end. There's no dance associated with ARP23. It's just stays there. It's captured and undone. But the interesting thing about ARP23 is that, so it has this binding pocket for the actin subunits, right? But on the other end, it doesn't, it, it can, it has affinity for an already established actin filament. So basically, if you have a bunch of ARP23 around nucleating filament growth, what happens is you have these proteins that are nucleating growth, but then on this end, once there's a branch that's close to it, it'll just bind to it at, it turns out, exactly a 70 degree angle. So right, so all these ARP complexes, they're nucleating growth and binding to an already established filament. So when it does that, it creates this crisscross meshwork, which is the third kind of shape you see these actin filaments in. You see them like parallel, right? There, you want formin. Or then in like the leading edge of a migrating cell, you see crisscross. Now to indicate ARP23 is involved. Ooh, we got three questions. This is exciting. We're just gonna go like an L shape.
the landing site for subsequent GIAC MRR. And so just that nucleation event kind of sets a stage for growth. Um, I think Foreman is in yellow in the video. It can, it'll really help you guys better than my sweet dancing. <laughs> yeah, or if so, like, so, 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 so,
does a really good job of capturing, capturing pre-geactin monomers. If you have propylene or not, it speeds it up. But yeah, they can polymerize on their own once nucleation has occurred. Like if you if you put a bunch of geactin subunits in a test tube, at a certain point you would see nucleation events. It just takes a really long time if they're on their own. If you have formin or ARP around, because of their ability to bind actin and geactin subunits in such a way that it brings them together, right? It's like, you know, like my photos where I'm like, children, get together, hug, you will hug. Like I'd be the nucleator. Huh? <laughs> Left to their own devices, they're not gonna do that. They're gonna be growing, showing them. <laughs> you know.
one of the fundamental ways that thymosin and profilin oppose each other. So what happens is a lot of G-actin, it in this ADP bound state. It also physically blocks binding because it binds the part of the actin that wants to interact with the F-actin.
also does not block the binding site. Growth that's 
kind of happening on its own at the minus end. And again, because of the structural difference with the minus end, it happens super, super slow. So to reinforce a filament and to prevent it from just growing off the chart, you have to add tapping protein to add to the plus end to prevent any more monomers from adding them. Crisscross meshwork 
by basically, to me, it, uh, it's almost like forming brackets anywhere they um, cross over one another. So filament, if you see crisscross meshwork, and you need it to be reinforced, filaments your protein. Thank you. 
plus n, and this is minus n. You could, in theory, break this down with just cofan. Take a while. What did we do, though, when we created fragments? What did we cre create more of? targets for cofilament, right? So instead of over here, if you just have a filament, cofilament, like, all right, I'll just do a while. But if you have a bunch of minus ends, cool, a bunch of cofilaments can come in and decolorize all of those places. The other thing that gel solid does that's important, it cuts and then it caps the plus end side. Why do you think it capped at the plus end side? Prevent any growth from happening. Yep. So gel solon is sweet because it severs and caps and is like, all right, come on, cofilin, do your thing. They can work together and totally break down a filament really quickly. And again, if you lost gel solon, you can still get disassembly, it's just not going to be rapid. It's going to be a lot slower. Then, right, you've broken this down. Say you want to build it back up. <coughs> Depolarize. Cool. Well, now we need to get profilin to convert these to uh, an ATP down situation. Um, the way they drew this image is confusing. Profilin is, so just remember that profilin is going to help get these back into an ATP down state. Oh, okay, I see what it's, it's trying to show removing ADP so that ATP can bind. Just hard to see the color. They should have drawn this like yellow or just a different color that wasn't so close to red. But what propylene is going to do is try to get all those individual G-acted subunits that have just been ripped off the minus N or in ADP bound situation to ATP bound conformation so that they can get nucleated and uh, create a new film. So when you have treadmilling, so let's talk about, come back to this idea of cofilling. When you have treadmilling, what's happening, because on its own, that minus end, you don't have rapid loss, right? Or rapid assembly. Cofilling can help you. So if you have treadmilling happening, that means that you have cofilling adding at the plus end and cofilling taking away at the minus end. That's how you get treadmilling. Structurally polar molecules to help cofilin and cofilin. So we're going to look at that now. The last slides that I want to go through today are yeah. Shoot! Yes! Oh my gosh, you guys! I'm so sorry. You guys are too nice. You should have stopped me. I was all in this cytoskeleton, but also really tired of talking. We'll start here next time. Oh my gosh, I hope you guys have enough time. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much.